they always floors me every week. Uh, Silas and I do not talk about what songs he's going to play or and and how those match up with the lesson. Sometimes it's incredible. We're going to be in First John chapter four. First John chapter four. Um, Larry, I, I appreciate him reading the scripture this morning and pointing out how important these verses are. These are tremendously important. Uh, I would say they're really important, especially in 2020, in which there's so much um, false teaching that's out there, so many different teachings that's out there other than the gospel. And and when you look at verse 1, it says, Beloved, speaking to believers, 1 John 4, 1, Do not believe every spirit. Okay, I want to share with you something very important. There is a rhetoric in the world today that tries to hinder you from questioning any type of false teaching. And it is that you as Christians are not supposed to judge. And it's not a very Christian-like thing to judge another ministry. Well, there's a little bit of truth in that. However, we are supposed to reveal from Scripture when there is false teaching. And the Word of God stands on its own. You should be able to defend your faith. Study to show thyself approved in the God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And so we should not be intimidated to stand down when we recognize false teaching. And you should not be intimidated from following this verse that tells you that you are supposed to do what? You are to not believe every spirit. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spirits, against rulers of darkness in this present age. Satan will always mask himself as an angel of light. He'll come to you in a preacher's robe. He'll come to you in a white collar. He'll come to you in a fancy suit. He'll come to you with a Bible in his hand. And he'll come to you as he went to Eve and say, did God really say? And so we're instructed in 1 John 4, 1, that we are not to believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. So it's your responsibility to take everything you hear from this pulpit, from Sunday school, from any radio, any book you read, it is your responsibility to test it whether or not it is from God or not. So how are you going to figure that out? How do you know whether something's from God or not? You have the book. The book is the measuring stick. He says, please test every spirit, whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. That is absolutely the truth. And this was 2,000 years ago. And there's more now. This was before mankind got the bright idea that we should separate the church and the body of Christ based on denominations. And there should be Baptists and Lutherans and Methodists and Catholics and Protestants. And we should have divisions. By the way, God is not the author of confusion. Is that true? The Bible says there is one spirit, there is one God, there is one faith. We, in our infinite wisdom, 
decided to divide everyone based on denominations and beliefs and teachings. It's one. One body. One Savior. One Lord. One Spirit. One truth. And so everything that you're ever taught should be measured by the one thing that you know is absolute truth. Not only should you do this, but in 1 John 4, 1, you're required to do this. Turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, we're going to look at verse 10. Paul is on a missionary journey, and he's reached a place called Berea. And in verse 10, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas by night to Berea, Acts 17.10. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded to those in Thessalonica. And they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So as Paul and Silas spoke to these, what God calls fair-minded people, they didn't shut out. They ready. They were ready to receive the truth. But when they received the preaching of Paul, they went home and took their scriptures and searched them to make sure what they were being taught was true. You should do that here. While I do my best I, and I, I promise you, I do my best to make sure that we're verse by verse going through the scriptures, comparing scripture with scriptures. Every once in a while, something comes out of this mouth that might be something I think about something. And I, guard, I try to guard myself from that, but, but it's just impossible to do. There's too many words that come out of this mouth to, to be fully... And it's your responsibility to, to come to me and say, you know what you said there, Pastor Flanagan? I have this verse over here. If you disagree with what I say, that doesn't hold much water. But if you have a verse that says, look at, you said this. Have you, have you seen this verse, Pastor Flanagan? It, it may contradict what you said there. I've been caught before because I'm not perfect. And that's where you come in. It's your responsibility. Look at the results in verse 12. Therefore... Many of them believed, and also not a few Greeks, prominent women, and as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word was being preached to Paul and Berea, they came to the crowd and stirred up the crowds. And immediately they sent Paul away to the sea, both Silas and Timothy. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens. So while they were checking the word, others were doing their best to make sure the word would never be preached. That's where you live. You live in a world in which you, your faith is going to be tested all the time, challenged all the time. And it's very simple. You have this book, this amazing gift of God to go to and search the scriptures daily to make sure what is being taught to you by anybody is right or wrong. In fact, the Bible says in Peter or, or John that we have a, an anointing from the Holy Spirit that we don't even need anybody to teach us. Between you, the Holy Spirit and the Bible, you've got everything you need. 
everything you need to know the truth and to follow the truth. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is uh, just a few books to your right. This is a battle. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The Bible gives Satan the title as the father of all who knows the next word. Lies. He is the father of all lies. He is a liar, the father of them. It's all he knows how to do. So we talk about this spiritual war. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 4. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not physical. When the Bible says we have to put on the whole armor of God to stand against the wiles of the devil or the false teaching of the devil, what is the sword of the Spirit? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is your weapon against false teaching. When Satan came to Jesus and tempted him three times in the wilderness, he attacked him each time with Scripture. The Word of God says, Thus saith the Word. So in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So what's a stronghold? I'm going to tell you what a stronghold is. Some of us have philosophies of life and traditions of men that my great-grandfather taught and my grandfather taught and my father taught me. And you get to the Bible and you find out that that family teaching and philosophy is wrong. And yet, it's got a strong hold on you. And you have to break away from that family tradition. You know, there are denominations in our country that were at one time solid in the word. Solid in the word. And over decades, they have changed. Other men have died and other men have come in and changed the philosophies and directions of denominations to where they are preaching very obvious false doctrine. And people stay. And you know why they stay? If you ask him, guess what they'll tell you? My great-grandfather was this denomination. My grandfather was the denomination. And God says we have a weapon to break that stronghold that the world has on you that is false teaching. What is it? Verse 5. It is casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We're to try and test every spirit and every thought. You ever get a thought about God? I do. You ever have a feeling about God? Well, I don't feel like God would really do that. I don't, I don't know that I could follow a God that would, would not, while they're starving people in the world. I, I just don't think that God thinks we have to go to church. Well, I don't think going to church is that important of a thing. We all have these thoughts about God. And you're supposed to take every thought into captivity before it draws you away and turns you away. Because the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. So if your Christianity is based on what you feel God is and what you think God is, you're in danger of being totally turned away from the absolute truth.
Paul says, I serve God with the law of my mind. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not what you feel about God. It's what you know about God. And what you know about God can only be found in the scriptures. What we know about God. My responsibility is not to get you all riled up emotionally so that you talk about, I talk about how much God loves you. My job is to tell you who God is, what the gospel is, and what the shepherd tells us to do. And we as his sheep will follow that because we love him. And that's my job. I am what's called in the Bible a hireling. It's in John chapter 10. And the Bible says a hireling will not give us life for the sheep because I'm just a hired servant. But the shepherd, Jesus Christ, he is the one who has laid down his life for you. And we have too many men, denominations, and traditions that people are begging you to follow, which is actually subtly turning you away from Christ and into this chasm of religion that has never saved a soul. But Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22, it's on your paper. It says, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Gary read a verse in Sunday school today that said he will set no evil thing before his eyes. And when you see that false teaching, Larry mentioned it this morning, you stay away from it. Isaiah 8.20, this is my favorite verse I found this week. It's on your paper. It says, the law, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isn't that beautiful? The Bible is the light. And anything that we're taught that is not of the word or of the light of the word we are to put aside. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And what are you supposed to be? The light of the world. The salt of the world. Which brings the truth into the world. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. So we've been instructed to test every spirit. And we're to measure it by the scriptures. Verse 2 and 3 gives us insight to what you're looking for. Verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Okay, this is great. i got to know what I'm looking for. Did you know people that, that are expert in counterfeit money are only expert in counterfeit money because they're experts in what real money looks like and feels like and smells like? And so when they feel something that doesn't seem right, they know it right away. So you don't become an expert in fake money. You become an expert in real money. Then all fake money becomes obvious to you. It's the same with teachings of, of, of false teachings of God. He says, look at here you'll know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that's not confessed that Jesus has come into the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. And you've heard was coming and now already is in the world. One of the fastest moving 
Christian movements in the country is based on this teaching. This is the foundation of their teaching. It is that when Jesus came in the flesh, he became 100% man and 0% God. And while he was 100% man, he was so in tune with God that he was bestowed upon him the abilities to raise the dead, do miracles, walk on water. But because he was 100% man, then we have the ability to gain the exact same powers and strength as God, Jesus Christ, on earth. That's actually exactly what this verse is talking about. That is a false teaching because it denies the deity of Jesus Christ as all God and all man. When the flesh, the, the, he, the word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. And we beheld his what? Glory. The glory of the only begotten son of God. He was incarnate. 100% God, 100% man at the exact same time. To deny that is to deny the gospel because no man can die for you because no man is perfect. And so that whole premise is built on the opposite of verse 2 and 3. So we automatically know that it's a false teaching. 1 John 2.22, right across the page, says, Who was a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ... He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. If you study Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, and who they say Jesus is, the Muslim religion, they all have Jesus wrong. When Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the answer. Any other answer, walk away. It's wrong. It's false. It's what we're instructed to do, to be Bereans. Check the scriptures of who Jesus is. First evidence of a false teaching is they will deny the deity of Jesus Christ. That's it. And so you can ask somebody, instead of asking what their church believes, don't ask that question because they'll say things that are subtly pretty close. Just ask them who they say Jesus is. Who they say Jesus is. So what are we looking for? We're looking for this. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I think this is really a good indication of where the world is today when it comes to religion and Jesus Christ. And why the message we preach is so important. So in Romans chapter 10, we're going to start in verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Isn't that a good verse? What is your desire for the nation of the United States? If it's to end abortion... That's honorable. If it's that the world might be saved, that the, the people in the United States might be saved, that's our top priority. Because everything else kind of falls into place, doesn't it? This, this country, 
this is going to be a controversial statement, but it's true. Understand why I'm saying it. Our country does not need Donald Trump. Our country needs Jesus Christ. All right? And so we have to be careful that that man is not placed in the priority. We need Jesus Christ. Verse 2. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Please get this. There are plenty of people across this country that have a zeal for God, and yet they're mistaken who God is. I didn't get much. Would you agree with that? And we mistake zeal for passion and passion for being honest Christianity, and it's not the truth. What are they teaching? What are they preaching? When you see the worship and you see thousands with their hands lifted and they're crying, you're going to have to take a minute to listen to what's being preached at those services. Because what's being preached is really where the rubber meets the road and where the truth is. He looks at the Jews and says, you have such a zeal for God. What's the problem? It's not according to knowledge. These are the Pharisees who have given their entire lives to the study of Scripture. And yet, in their arrogance and their blindness, they could not see that Christ was the fulfillment of those Scriptures. And yet, while they were still zealous for their, the, the, the religion, they denied the truth. Verse 3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And this is what's happening. There are people out there who are, are submitting to their own right, what they say is right, what they believe, and building their own kingdom. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. But the Jews are hanging on to this law. Stay in the same chapter, but drop down to verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. If you know of somebody in your life who is religious, but you're pretty sure they're not really saved because they don't have a relationship with Christ and you're frustrated because they are so close, the word seems so near to them, but they just won't take that step of faith. Would you say amen? It's all across the country. But the answer is verse 9. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart He's risen from the dead, you will be what? Saved. saved. And He says to the Israelites, Oh, I desire you to be saved. You're so close. The Word is so near. But you must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart He's risen from the dead and you will be saved. In any teaching any denomination anyone that teaches anything other than that for salvation is a false spirit a false teaching and you're supposed to test it and try it and what the measuring stick is number one is who they say jesus is and if he's not the way of salvation stay away back off i heard someone say someone was was sharing a scripture that was wrong and the answer of this christian woman was 
God is a God of love. No one can know where they're going when they die. We're just supposed to love each other. Is that a truth or a false? That's easily false, isn't it? Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen? Salvation is what we want. That's what we're, we're striving for. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. So we're supposed to test the Spirit. First test, who is Jesus? If he's not the way, the truth, and the life, the way of salvation, we know it's not of the truth. The Jews were close, but they denied the Christ. Now this second evidence is you. And this is so beautiful. And, and Gary mentioned in the Sunday school class, and Silas sang about it at the end of, of our, our praise time, and it just fits so perfectly. Look what it says in verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I, I've, I've quoted that verse a thousand times probably since I've been a Christian. And I, I never really grasped it till this week. I always use it in the idea of spiritual warfare, don't we? Well, Satan's tempting me. Yeah, but greater is he that's in you. No, it's different. It's in the context, when you read it verse by verse, of the teaching that Christ is not the Lord and Savior. That there is false teachings that do not teach that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, guess what I know? Guess what I know? I know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Guess why I know that? Because of verse 4, that I'm a child of God and I have overcome them. Overcome who? Those false teachers, those false spirits. How I've overcome them? Because he that is in me is greater than he that's in the world. And God would not let the enemy have me. And God opened my heart and my mind to the truth of the gospel. And when I heard it, I followed him. You know why I followed him? Because I'm a sheep. And you know why I'm a sheep? Because God created me to be a sheep. Look at verse 5. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. How many of you, raise your hand for me if you've ever said these phrases. How can they believe something like that? How in the world can they ever follow something like that? How could you deny Jesus Christ but follow a Jim Jones to Guyana and have your children killed? Or follow a David Koresh and be burned in a fire? Or follow that guy that was following the comet behind Haley's comet? How can they do that? How can they deny the truth of Scripture? Why? Because they're not sheep. They're of the world. And the world doesn't follow them. And the world listens and they hear anything. It's not Jesus. I'm there. I came from a monkey. I'm there. I'll take it. What? I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. That's fine. I'll follow it. It doesn't matter what the world teaches. They follow everything. That's not the shepherd. That's not the truth. But look at verse 6. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who's not of God does not hear us. 
That's why God says it's the foolishness of preaching. If you think you follow God because I'm so eloquent with my nasally voice and my <laughs> terrible. I'm the last guy I'd listen to preaching. It's just like, it all sounds like this to me all day. You ever hear Charlie Brown's teachers talk to him? That's what I sound like when I listen to myself. I listen to me, I just go, man, shut up for five seconds. Just let the word speak. But here's the miracle. It's the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. So it doesn't matter who's saying the word. If you're hearing the voice of your shepherd... You're following. You're going. And if you don't listen to me, it's not. I don't have to change my message. Do uh, you know how many preachers across the country might do that? Now we're losing people. What do we do? Well, let's shorten the sermons. Let's do a little more of this. Let me do a little more of that. Preach the word. In season and preach it. Preach it. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How do you know? Because you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides you in all what? Truth. What's the opposite of that? He'll also guide you when it's not true. You have that. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. Stay close to the spirit. Don't quench it. And you'll recognize it. You will. Turn to John chapter 10. We're going to close with just a few verses here. I really want to uh, publicly thank the kids are great today. You guys are doing so well. Thank you all. They're all asleep. <laughs> so if you have any trouble at night, put a little tape of Pastor Flanagan in and they'll just be. All right. John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I am known, and I know my sheep, and am known by them. Gary gave an example in Sunday school today about uh, a bunch of sheep were mixed up, and the shepherds came in, and they all had a different yodel or a different call. Is that correct, Gary? And the sheep would go separately to each shepherd based on their call or their yodel or whatever they did, and they knew exactly who their shepherd was. You'll know what's from Christ and what's from not. Trust him in that. We have a little dog named Toby. Toby is a challenge. And so Toby likes to get up around 5.30 in the morning and come to the door of our bedroom and whine for somebody to wake up. Um, Most of the days I'm up, but some days I don't have to go anywhere and I'm not up. And I still whine. And I'll say... Toby, go lay down. Toby, go lay down. Which will proceed to encourage him to whine louder. (laughs) And then sweet Elizabeth says, Toby, lay down. And you can just smell the fear. (laughs) And there's no more whining. And you just hear little pitter-patters to the couch. He knows the voice of his shepherd. <laughs> and it's not me. And it's the, and Liz, is that just a true, isn't it? It's absolutely true. It's not exaggeration of, of illustration. But it does illustrate that verse to me. That we know. There's a difference in, in the voice. And 
Verse 15 of the same chapter. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I love verse 16. Other sheep I have which are not in this fold. Them I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus is giving this illustration of the, 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 the fold and the sheep. And he says, there's other sheep that are not here yet. So how do they get into the fold? That's us. We preach the gospel. We. This is very important. If it's my voice, the sheep have no, they don't recognize it. But if it's the voice of the shepherd and you stand up in front of a thousand people and say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, and you walk off the stage, you've done your job. And in that thousand people, the sheep will respond to the verse. Because it's the voice of the shepherd and the words of the shepherd. Staying in John chapter 10, look at verse 25. Jesus answered him and said, I told you, and you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give to them eternal life and they will never perish. Neither shall anyone ever snatch them out of my hand. My father who's given to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Dad, you ever put a coin in your hand and held it to your kids and told them, if you can get that coin out, you can have the coin. And it's tough to get it out of that grip. And then you take the other hand. So Jesus says, no one will ever pluck you out of my hand. And me and my father are one and no one will pluck you out of my Father's hands. You are secure in Christ for eternity if you're a, sh a sheep that has followed your shepherd. So this morning, what is the message? The message is the gospel. Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, it's on your paper. It says, knowing first that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And this book was not written by man. Men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed. You can trust this book. It is absolutely the word of God. And the sheep will know it and they'll recognize it. And that's the evidence of what is true. And what is not true. Second Thessalonians 2.13 says this. For this reason we thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it. Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. So you recognize what the word of men is and what the word of God is. And when you hear somebody speaking and you've been studying your Bible and you're in your word and you say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. That's God and the Holy Spirit. Go check it. Go look at it. I've had people do that many times over the years. Hey, is this right? Does the Bible really say this? Sometimes I can say, oh, I've never seen that in the Bible. Sometimes I'm able to go to a verse and say, yeah, just say it right here. And they'll say, oh, I, never, I didn't know that. But you're testing it. 
2 Corinthians 4.2 We have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully. People handle the word of God deceitfully. They pick out a verse here and they pick out a verse there. And this is why we do expository preaching here. I'm not, if I was just going to put a, a message together based on what I think we should be doing as a church, then you're following an under-shepherd, a hireling. It's not my responsibility to direct the movement of this church. It's God's. But the manifestation of truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I am responsible for what goes into your brains and your minds and your hearts on Sunday mornings. And it needs to be the word. We'll close with Revelation 22. Revelation 22, towards the end of scriptures, God gives us almost the last instructions of the entire Bible. And he says in verse 18 of Revelation 22, I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to those things, God will add to him plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part in the book of life for the holy city and the things which are written in this book. We just can't make it up. Not supposed to add to it, not supposed to take away. How do you know somebody's adding to or taking away? You have to know the book. You have to study it. You have to read it. And and the less influence you have from men outside of the book, the better. I would encourage you to trust your God and trust the Spirit to be able to study this book with no, nothing beside you to tell you what it really means. The Holy Spirit will absolutely give you understanding. The Bible says you don't need a teacher if you have this book. It's quick and powerful. And if you have the Holy Spirit of God, one of the evidences that where you're being taught is true is it just agrees with the Spirit. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you're doing a devotional that that is a book or uh, a guide, I would encourage you to go ahead and keep doing that if, if you have one you trust. But understand, every devotional written by man has the bent of that man's philosophy and how he feels about it. Try a study somehow, some way, which is just you and this book and the Holy Spirit and see what God shows you. See how it opens up to you. It, it, it will it'll change you forever. It just will change you in how you see this book. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you for salvation. The gospel is simple. Jesus died for our sins according to scriptures. And then on the third day, he rose again. And whosoever believes in him and calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no other gospel. There's no other truth. There's nothing added to it. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be saved. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for being our shepherd. I thank you for leading us and guiding us to truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
going to have our uh, praise team come, uh, Kat and Matt, and we're going to sing that last hymn that we did because it is about the shepherd. Psalm 23, what a perfect song. We didn't even know what we were talking about today, and uh, what a perfect song to end. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul, and I will trust in you alone, and I will trust in you my ways in righteousness, and He anoints my head with oil, and my cup it overflows with joy. I feast on His purity. I will trust in you alone, and I will trust in you alone, for your endless mercy follows me, your goodness will lead me. I will not fear the evil one, for you are with me and your rod and staff are the comfort I need to know, and I will trust in you. will trust in you alone, for your endless mercy 
follows me. Your goodness will lead me home, and I will trust in you alone, and I will trust in you alone, for your endless mercy follows me, your goodness will lead me home. Simple lesson today. Follow your shepherd. His words are in the book. His rod and his staff, they'll comfort you, they'll guide you, they'll direct you. I encourage you to read the book of John this week. Just go through it. And, and see what God gives you from it. Don't don't have any study guides with it. Just read it. And uh, read a proverb a day. Today's the second. You can read Proverbs 2 today and start uh, a month of Proverbs reading. And, and, and just let God speak to you through his word. And uh, boy, will you be drawn closer to him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are going to be obedient to you in all that we do. Uh, to the best of our ability. To follow our shepherd. If anyone here, Lord, is, is outside the fold, has not given their life to Christ, but is being drawn by God, Lord, I pray they would just yield to the shepherd, give their life to him. In Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.